0: So reaching the heart of our young people is vitally important. We kind of save this till later in the series because it's sort of a, of course we need to reach the hearts of our young people, but are we really doing it? And how are we going about it? And so we think of of what God asks us to do, and it's amazing when he says, my son, give me thine hearts, okay? And that's Proverbs 23, 26. He's asking us to trust him enough to have that kind of heart connection that we want with our children. And God doesn't ask us to do something before he's done something. He has given us his own son, okay? He's given everything of of value in heaven to redeem us. And now he's saying to us, I want your heart. And he's talking to us as parents, because if God doesn't have our hearts as parents, it is not possible to give to them the desire for them to give their hearts to us and to God. Because we we cannot give what we do not possess. If all we have is an intellectual knowledge, that is not enough. It needs to be a connected experience. And thus, it needs to be for our children if we want to bind our hearts to our children and have them trust us enough to be able to have their hearts.
1: So we've covered several areas already. The purpose of parenting, right? We have to have a goal in mind, and we see their steps. So some of the things we may say today may sound like, well, we heard a little bit about that already. But we're going to reiterate it and strengthen it Okay, as we go through. Uh, then we talked about uh, follow the leader. You know, we, we need to be not only being a good example, but giving good direction to our children. Those things have to be in harmony. And then yesterday we had the ABCs, right? That was a fun topic. I hope it didn't scare people off. But anyway, we, as we talk about reaching the heart, we want to look at three areas because on Tuesday's message, follow the leader, one of the things that we're told in that little paragraph we read was that we were to give love to our children. And that is naturally spontaneous from us, to our children, to our grandchildren. But now we wanna look at that one part and we're gonna narrow it down today. In this presentation, what does love look like? We gave several words, several adjectives of what that looked like the other day, but we wanna look at that. Love is time, love is interest, love is understanding, enthusiasm with our children.
0: You know, giving our time to our children in today's culture. We keep referring to parenting in today's culture. We have more time consumed in other relationships outside the home than at any other time in the world's history. Our phones, which I took mine off and set it over there, our phones, our devices, our tablets, our whatever have made us so available all the time. We are so accessible to everyone else in the world all the time. We have never been more accessible. And yes, these are a tool, and we're not here to disparage devices because they have their place. But if it robs us of the most important things, and that is giving time to our Heavenly Father and that relationship, seeking first the kingdom of God and then seeking to develop and strengthen our marriages and our family, if it's robbing us at that time, it's got to be dealt with, okay? So I'm going to take you back to our daughter, our oldest daughter, Allison. I think she was 17 or 18 at the time. She got the invitation from our church to lead the youth she had a lot of influence upon the other young people in the church and so she said yeah i'll I'll be the youth leader and so i can remember one day i just this is very vividly in my mind because of what we're talking about here life is busy and i am (laughs) i am busy okay my daughter comes to me at my desk And she's all excited about what's been happening in her youth sabbath school program okay now i'm just going to play this out for you very simply and i'm not proud of this but she stands comes to to the side of my desk and i'm in the middle of doing something like i'm always in the middle of doing something and she said father i want to tell you about the things that are happening in the youth sabbath school and i said yeah that's great go ahead and she's talking to me. I'm not tuning into her, but I'm saying, yeah, I, you know, I'm interested. I was interested. I mean, aren't we interested in those things? But we were. so I'm in the middle of something, and she's talking, and, and she, she suddenly, I mean, she becomes very aware, because our oldest daughter... This is, this is how she is, okay? Each of our, we have three children. Each of them is different, just as yours are all different. And my daughter can always tell when I have time for her.
1: Time okay? to listen.
0: Time to listen. And so I'm trying to do this uh, divided task of listening to her enthusiastically share, and I start to notice that the enthusiasm is kind of going down, Okay. And then the spirit called to me, and this is not an audible voice, but every one of us here knows what this is like. The spirit calls to me and said, give her your full attention. Just like that. A little, just a little bit of a reproof in that tone there. Okay. And I laid down my pen, and I turned my chair around, and I gave her my undivided attention. I wish there could have been a video of that part, not the first part. <laughs> I don't want you seeing a video of the first part, okay? But I wish there could have been a video of that part. When I gave her my undivided attention, how much time do you think it took? Any idea? Five minutes. Undivided attention. I tell you, I was inspired by what she shared with me. I was motivated. I was encouraged. And she was encouraged because I listened. Five minutes of undivided attention. I mean, that's not rocket science, is it, friends? But it is. Because today, it is very difficult to give other things outside of our time and space the real attention that we need. And that is a part of real love. Mm
1: -hmm. So the the expressing love through time, and, and he's particularly talking about time to listen. So that's an older example, but our children need to be listened to when they're young, too. They love to come and tell us all about what's going on. And so often we listen, like my husband illustrated here, he first started to listen. We continue our tasks, we don't pay any attention, we just kind of go, uh-huh, that's nice, and we just keep, and then we wonder why, as they get older, they don't listen to us. We expect them to have their full attention when we're giving them direction or instruction, but we have modeled something different you see why how it's building sure. on this week so when we talk about showing them love through time we're talking one of the areas of time we give them is time to listen that doesn't mean though that our children can interrupt us at any time Amen. it doesn't mean that they have you know they control when we when we listen and when they talk and when we don't need to listen it is a it is a balancing uh situation here so We're not trying to give the idea that children run the program, but what we're trying to encourage all of us as parents to do, and we're doing this as grandparents as well, is to listen to them when they have things they want to share with us that are important to them that seem insignificant to us because we live in the adult arena. So time to listen. We want to take time daily to pray with our children not just pray for our children you need to
0: do that too we but.
1: need to do that and you know i i've often thought sometimes we are more earnest to pray for people who are going to trials like maybe a terminal illness or, or a trial of an accident or a trial of loss of some sort or another or even the missionaries. You know, you hear prayers about the missionaries and the call porters. These are the old terms all over the world, you know. But why do we not pray for our children with a deep level of and specific prayer of the needs that they have of the character weaknesses we see, and for the Lord to help us to know how to guide them. So we need to pray for our children earnestly, specifically, regularly, but we also need to pray with our children. If your children are like our children were when they were young, they just memorize prayers. And oftentimes, if we are praying, people and we let's say we have morning devotions, our family worship, we have prayer meals, we come to church, we have prayers in Sabbath school, prayers in the church service. Sometimes we can get into a pattern of praying without thinking, because they become rote prayers. Our children do the same, you know. And I can remember our son Josiah when he was little. He would say when he was first learning to speak and learning how to pray. He would, he, we would help him, and then he would say just simple prayers. Okay, Josiah, it's your turn to pray for worship. And this is how the prayer went. Dear Jesus, please help us to have a good, nice day. Amen. And that's, that's sweet, right? He's less than two years old, and he can say that. That's sweet. But it doesn't stay that way. I mean, it, it stayed that way, and we recognize we have to, when we're on our knees, so as a two-year-old, we're saying, so what are you thankful for today? So he starts his prayer. Dear Jesus, help us to have a good, nice day. What are you thankful for, son? In the prayer, right? This is not, this is how we teach our children to pray. We can't give all the instruction ahead of time because a child's mind doesn't remember at a young age. So during the actual prayer, we are helping him to track and things. So we should have thankfulness and gratitude in our prayer every day, right? That should be a part of our prayer life well, I'm thankful for my sisters, or I'm thankful for my mommy, or my daddy, or I'm thankful for our doggie, or whatever it is, okay? And is there anything you want Jesus to help you with special today? Well, help me to be nice to my sisters, okay? So in that prayer, taking time to pray, not just for our children, but with our children, we're actually teaching them how to pray, how to process, how to think. And as we continue to make this a part of our prayer life when our children were younger, it was interesting to watch as they got older, their prayers were not rem, um, remote like ours, or what's, it, what's, is that the right word, remote? Not
0: remote control. Yeah,
1: just wrote, <laughs> wrote prayers, but they actually had beautiful, thoughtful prayers, even the blessing. We can, you know, thank you for the food, amen, let's get going, let's eat, you know. But they they would interbring different aspects of appreciation or help those who don't have anything today or whatever it may be and they bring those thoughts into prayer life so it makes it more personal that takes time we need to time for praying with our children yeah
0: i really uh i love this little illustration because if you really stop and think about it who taught you how to pray Nobody ever taught me how to pray, okay? Not, not specifically. And many times, this is the way it is in the most important relationships of life. Nobody really takes the time to help us understand how to be involved in a relationship. No one really takes the time to talk, talk us through what's important in, coming to, in falling in love with a person. No one takes the time to really get on their knees with us and teach us how to pray, and yet this is the most important aspect next to God's Word of opening the storehouse of heaven, the key. Prayer is the key that unlocks the storehouse of the resources of heaven. And so sometimes these are obvious things that we are obviously not doing, that we need to come alongside of our children and be an example and help them learn how to pray.
1: Yes, and I'm going to add one more thing to that. Christ... In his mission on Earth, also had to teach prayer, didn't he, to his adult disciples, right? And we have all learned the Lord's prayer. If we, if we were to say, let's say the Lord's prayer together, probably everyone in the room could do that. But again, we can memorize words, but we miss the depth of the meaning. So we have found it very helpful to go back to the inspired commentaries on some of these verses and and look at what it includes and in, in the. Um, One of the messages I did a number of years ago was simply looking meaningful morning time. And I take the Lord's Prayer and I break it down into the life of practical daily living for children. And when I did that, it came alive for me myself. So this is just an example that even Christ himself had to teach us how to pray and the depth of that prayer. So we also want to take time to play with our children. We have touched on this, but we're going to touch on it again because this is a very weak area in our homes. Because we are parents, it's easy to say, just go play, or you do what you want to do. You can have free time, whatever word you use there. And we don't really enter into playing with our children. Now, I'm not talking about playing all day with them. But having times during the day that we are actually intentionally committed to interact with them in an activity that's fun for everybody.
0: Do you think this is important? Okay, so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands as to how many of you actually make dedicated time to do this. But I thank God that as we, we read, you know, the inspired counsel that the evening hours should be dedicated. Get that word? Dedicated, dedicated to the family. Is that outdated counsel today? <laughs> no. It says that Parents, you need to become children with your children. That doesn't mean parents need to become foolish with their children, because foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. That's what the Bible says. We don't need to be foolish. We need to help our children learn how to pray, but we need to enter in, sorry, where they are, at their level, making it enjoyable for them. And so we're emphasizing this today, even though we've touched on it before, because we need to make time for it we dedicated five days a week in our family so that we had at least a half an hour of dedicated family recreation time five days a week and everybody in the family got to choose one day a week what it was we did so you didn't have one child who's always raising their hand saying i want to do this again every mom and dad got to choose and each of the three children one afternoon, evening, a week, okay, but it was dedicated time, and it was amazing to see how responsive our children were to their responsibilities and our expectations upon them, and if you knew each of our children, and I'm not bragging on them, but I'll tell you, they're all hard workers, okay, they all have learned how to persevere, they have learned how to stay with a task until it is finished, and those are blessings in today's society, okay? And so that means getting down and playing with your children at their level. I mean, at I can remember... At
1: their level.
0: At, at every level. I mean, going from... My wife was really good at... We'd set up the Legos and stuff, and we would have little, little stops, okay? And you'd have your house, and you'd have the store. And she was a storekeeper. They didn't know that she was teaching them math. But we were making it fun. They had to buy their supplies and exchange money and stuff like this. They loved it. Now, it was a little bit challenging sometimes for us to be on our hands and knees doing that. Yes, it was.
1: But, you know, as we make that that choice to interact with them on their level, and it continues to grow, I mean... I thought it was kind of a bit of a sacrifice to crawl around on my hands and knees pushing the cars and doing this. That's kind of why I like to be the storekeeper because I needed to be close to the store, right? I wasn't just going all over the community visiting everybody. But as they get older, they still pick things that may not be our favorite activity to do. And it is a call to our heart and a challenge to us as parents to have fun with our children, wholesome recreation, wholesome fun. And I remember one day, I don't remember if it was Josiah or Emily, Emily's our middle daughter, If which one it was of those two, it was their day to pick, but anyway, whoever it was of those two decided we were going to go on a bike ride. Well, we did a lot of bike rides. That's okay. I own my mind riding my bike. But they had modified the bike ride. They had, they had attached the red wagon to their bikes. So they put um, rope on one back of the bike seat and then roped it through the handle of the wagon and put the other end on the other bike seat. And they had remembered when they were little that daddy used to pull them in the wagon behind on, from his bike. So now that they're growing up, they want to give us the same enjoyment they had. And my husband said, oh, I'm too heavy.
0: Which was true.
1: And it was, we lived on the
0: side of a mountain and it would be nearly impossible for them to pull me up the hill.
1: <laughs> and I, and I, I really... I, per, I really didn't want to get in the way. I would, would, would have rather ridden the bike, right? But they said, oh, mother, you do it. And look, we even put a four-inch foam pad in the, the wagon <laughs> to make it comfortable for you. So I thought about it. He says, OK, on one condition that we start the ride at the top of the hill, because I thought even with my weight, it, is, it was quite steep to come out of our driveway and go up that first hill. If I can start at the top of the hill, I will do it this was so much fun for them. I mean, all of the children were excited. My, I think you were excited. Oh, absolutely. I was probably the least excited. <laughs> but as I got in there and I saw how much fun it was, it was fun. The top just, of
0: the hill was the top of the hill and then there was a road in front of our house, a, a gravel road that was more level Yeah, more le- part up, of it. <laughs>
1: ups and downs, but gentle ups and downs. I mean, you know, like general ups and downs, like not like this. Anyway, I started relaxing, enjoying the ride, and, and just having a great time, and I was just, you know, I didn't even have to do anything, I just had to sit, that's pretty easy, right? <laughs> well, on the way back, because we, the road is on the side of the mountain, and the mountains, at least in Montana, probably here in Michigan too, they, they contour the road so the snow melt and the rain comes off and, and melts across the road, right? <laughs> <laughs> So the road is slanted. So you've got a mountain on one side and you got, you know, the valley on the other, so to speak. It's just kind of carved off the edge of the mountain. And we're coming along, and I noticed that as we're going faster and faster, because I said to them before I got in, you need to make sure that when we're going downhill there's tension on that rope. Okay, because I don't want to pass you in the wagon. <laughs> So we're going down this hill, and we're going faster and faster. And they were pedaling faster and faster and faster to keep the tension on. And then I noticed we're getting you know, closer and closer and closer and closer to the edge of the downhill side. And you know, they're trying to pull it, and they're pedaling hard, and trying to keep the tension on the rope. And I don't know if it was the front or the rear right tire of the wagon caught the edge. And it flipped the wagon, and I went flying. And God is so good, I landed in a huge evergreen bush. I didn't hit a tree. I didn't land in a wild rose bush. Those are very thorny. I just was, and all of a sudden, you know, they were pedaling so hard, and all of a sudden there was no weight. There was no tension. And they're, mother, mother, they're trying to put their brakes on, and I'm just going through the air and landing in this bush. Mother, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I came out laughing. Thank the Lord, you know, I could have rolled down the hill or any number of things, but he had just the perfect spot to send the wagon wheel over and plant me. But those are memories they would never have forgotten. It's still a highlight. When we talk about fun things we do, that's one of the bike rides they remember, probably because it was a memorable experience for me. And after that, I was still willing to get in and be pulled. They didn't want to do it quite so often after that, but it's still fun, okay? So enter in with your children, take time to play with them.
0: We talked about work a little bit, too. We talked about it in the context of really teaching and training our young people in every aspect of real life in the home, okay? And, I mean, I went, I was talking to another man, another dad, recently, and I said, I went for I don't know how many years, But a lot of years I never cleaned a toilet in our house, okay? Now I clean toilets again, okay?
1: Not because he has to, but because he wants to help me.
0: Because it's just the two of us and her mother who lives with us. She's 90 years old, and we love having her with us. But in other words, there was a period of time, quite a few years, when we were teaching and training the home responsibilities that that's not one I had to do. They were in a rotation, and they all took care of that, okay? It's a good deal. (laughs) Anyway. Today we want to talk about other aspects of work, okay? Because it is important. And again, very few people today are inclined to put the energy and effort into teaching and training their children to work. It's just easier for mom and dad to do it, or mom to do it.
1: Or to hire it out.
0: That's right. I mean, just other... And so we, we want to encourage that if you want your children to be really industrious and really able to attain success they need to learn to do hard things and not be bailed out okay and so we looked for projects to do that we involved our young people in okay i mean i had to build a a frame for a a fuel tank that we lived way up in the mountains and so we had a fuel tank up there and i needed to build a tank stand for it and i was praying The morning that I was gonna build it, I was praying, and the the Holy Spirit just called in my heart to to let my son be involved in that project with me. And I'll be honest with you, my immediate thought was, and you know, sometimes I'm talking to the Lord outside, walk and talk in the in the mountains. There's nobody around to think you're crazy when you talk to the Lord outside. It's outside when you're in the mountain out loud, okay? So I'm talking to the Lord, it's like, but that's gonna take me. More than twice as long. Yeah, that's, that's the quietness, because that's what happens. That's the struggle. And then we get to the place where we think they're old enough to do some good <laughs> or to not be in the way, and, and then they've been accustomed to just not being a part of that, because when they're three, four, five years old, they're saying, Daddy, Daddy, can I help? Mommy, Mommy, can I help? They're not doing that when they're 9, 10, 11, and 12. It's not the same if, if we keep pushing them off and saying, I, I, I'm not right now, it's, you know I've got to get this done quick. So I surrendered. Okay. I surrendered to the Lord, and I got my son involved in that project. And as I started working with him, not only was that a beautiful experience in binding our hearts together, but the Lord called me even to slow down even more and let him pound every other nail in that stand that that stand that that tank stand and i'm like really (laughs) i mean that's the human heart okay i'm just playing the, the reality but i tell you it's another memory that we have my father taught me how to pound nails my dad was amazing with his hands and I'm literally, I trusted my dad so well that my dad, I can remember the picture of my dad having me hold a spike, a very big spike, and he is pounding it in with a sledgehammer. You know what a sledgehammer is? Okay, and I'm not talking about just a short-handled sledgehammer. I'm talking about like a maul, okay? Only it doesn't have an ax on one end. This is a sledgehammer, a big one. I never doubted. I held that thing, and my dad swung that over his head, and he never missed. Now, I was never that good, okay? <laughs> so I never asked my son to do that.
1: You asked me to. <laughs> I've asked her to do it, but I never
0: hit your hand, did I? Oh, yeah. Okay. But, but these are the things that come back to the heart, and, and we're working. We're doing two things. We're working on our patience. We're working on developing skills, but most of all, we're reaching the heart mm-hmm. of a young person. And that stand turned out beautiful. And I don't, yes, it did take longer, but it was well worth the investment. I got way more out of that than if I have built it by myself and told him to go play. It was a beautiful experience.
1: And the amazing things is we take the time to help our children learn how to work and, and to use their minds to think how things work and work through them that actually our children can excel us in their abilities.
0: Absolutely. And it was interesting as they got a little
1: older, especially our son, he's just naturally gifted in, in those things. I mean, just mechanical things, uh, engineering things, uh, building areas. And he would, I can remember as a little boy, he'd say, Daddy, no, I think this, this might work better, Daddy. <laughs> And that was a little bit hard for my husband to swallow at the moment because he had already made this thought out plan how this project was going to go. And then our son, who's probably eight or nine, says, Daddy, I really think this might work better. But as my husband shared this with me, as he humbled his heart, he he really tuned in, right? Listen to our children. He tuned in and listened and said, yeah, that that actually is a better plan than what I was going to do. So sometimes our children excel us, and that's a good thing. We want to help them to be successful in every area of life. We don't Mm -hmm. want them just to come to our level of capabilities. We want them to excel and become all that God has for them in the talents God has given them and their capabilities. So we've talked quite a bit about time. Now we want to look at loving our children by taking interest in them. course we're interested in our children, right? We always are interested. Are we really always interested? Well, maybe and maybe not, but taking time to look at their personal ambitions. We talked a little bit a couple of days ago about um, having our children earn their own money and how to manage money and that kind of thing. Well, this was something our girls said to us. They wanted to um, start a business, right? They're going to start a business, talked about their little craft business. Other things they did, because we took an interest in them, they thought, oh, we were in the health food store, and they say, uh, saw all these wild, wild rose hips that you could buy to make tea. Well, the, the, we have wild roses all around us. So they decided they were going to go harvest all these wild roses, rose hips. They were going to dry them out, and then they wanted to take them to the health food store and sell them. Okay, now parents, pause. What's your first response in your your mind? They're not going to buy them, (laughs) right? They already have a distributor. They already have their source, right? So we discredit their ambitions. And we say that's not going to work. So I said, okay, and, and, and we talked about this. Honey, they may have other resources for them already. Well, let's just try it. Okay, we're going to try it. So they went out, they got all these, they got them all together. They had this huge container full of them, pounds and pounds of these little dried rose hips. And we went into the health food shop where we did business, and they came up to the person that they h- kn- knew that we had checked in and out with several times, and they said, uh, we are selling wild rose hips and we wanted to see if you'd like to buy them. So I went with them, they did all the talking, and it was interesting, well, how much are they? And that was something we talked about before we got there because you can't ask for what they're selling them for, right? Likely they're getting them for less than half of what they're selling them for. So then you need to have that figure in your head and bring it down more because you want to motivate them to buy it from you. And then they, they went through this whole discussion with them. Anyway, they ended up purchasing the entire container of rose hips. So taking that interest in them, in their ideas and their, their, their motivations, was a lot of fun. And they've done so many other things.
0: Taking interest in their personal learning. We homeschooled our children. And one of the things that... I was sort of the principal of the school, if you will. My wife was the, the active teacher, and I, I was in those days, I was in real estate doing uh, country... And and mountain property doing and, and doing ministry and so i was more in the background but one of the things that i knew i could do was take an interest in what they were learning every day and so when i would come home i would actively engage the young people and have them tell me what they were learning that day okay and so when they were learning phonics i would have them share with me their word list and and I was giving them a break from, you know, the teacher's approach to phonics to just being interested as their daddy, okay? That's simple and yet it's very profound because that interest is another expression of love that reaches the heart of our young people and motivates them to excel. Mm-hmm.
1: And when they conquered a hard thing, like a new concept, or some of the mathematics or whatever, they couldn't wait to be able to share that with Daddy. Look what I learned today. Now, if, it doesn't matter if we homeschool or not, what matters is we take an interest in their learning, in their scholastic education, especially if, you are, if your children are learning outside of your home, and even doubly so if they're learning in a public school. Because what they are learning is not just what's in the book. It's far more than what's in the book. And what's in the book and what's being taught are a lot, of, a lot of man's foolish ideas that are contrary to the word of God. Like, you just pick the kind of gender you want to be. This is being taught. It's part of the curriculum. And now, in most states, it's going down as well. They, they first started around fourth grade. Many states it's starting in first grade. And men in some states are even introducing it in preschool and kindergarten. And they refuse to let the children use pronouns he, she, him, and her, and you just call it it. So pay attention to what your children are learning. The scholastic aspect. So when you take an interest and you have that time for them and you're showing how much you care and love them, they're going to open up and they're going to start sharing with you what they're really learning not only from the teacher but maybe from some of the other students as well and you would be shocked to know what those children are being taught take an interest in their goals they have see our children when they were young and probably at least for me when i was a little girl ever since i can remember probably primary i wanted to be a missionary nurse i love the stories about missionaries and nurses and those kind of things. And my entire life growing up, that was my goal. That was my goal. I wanted to be a missionary nurse. So that actually helped to stay my course in my teen years, right, when things start shifting around. In my college years, I kept that goal in front of me. And by God's grace, I met that goal in his strength. And that was very fulfilling and rewarding. Our children also have goals. Sometimes we don't know. We have met so many young people. They're in their their senior year of high school or their first or second year of college, and they still have no idea what direction to go. That takes a lot of time and money to be confused and undecided, doesn't it? So we started when our children were young to say, you know, what kind of things do you like? Would you like to be when you grow up? Well, when the girls were smaller, I would say probably eight, nine, and ten, they were going to run a daycare center. That was going to be their business. They're going to go in business together, and they're going to have all these children come, and that's what they wanted to do because they love children. And as they got a little older, it shifted from the daycare business. They're going to do restaurants. They're going to have a vegan restaurant somewhere. And they loved to practice at home. It was great. And it was
0: great when they played restaurant with us.
1: Yes. <laughs> that was fun. Yes. So we, we went through that whole error, you know, with them. That's probably probably 10 to 12 years into 13 years. And then Emily, our middle daughter, she decided she loves animals. And she thought, oh, maybe I'll be some, someone who has something to do with animals, maybe a veterinarian. So even at a young teenage age, I said, okay, is this? we, we said, Okay, this is your goal. This is your dream. Do you understand what this looks like? And I've made arrangements with the local veterinarian in town, our little town, to see if we could come in for the day and just let Emily kind of hang out in there, you know, and just watch what really happens in a veterinarian, to, what, what the work a veterinarian does. And she enjoyed her time there, but when she came home, she says, I don't want to be a veterinarian. I love the animals. I don't like to see them in pain. I don't she doesn't like blood. Okay, well, that's not a very good career to be in if you don't like blood and pain, right?
0: <laughs> and shots. And shots.
1: So then she decided, I, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a kennel. I'm going to have a kennel and have a, board all these animals, especially dogs. She was a dog lover. So praise the Lord. We actually stayed with the family on one of our seminars that they had a kennel at their house out in the country. And they had hound dogs. (laughs) And all night long, every one of those hound dogs was doing what hound dogs do at night. And when one gets going, they all get going. I mean, it was just so loud and continuous and so wakeful. (laughs) In the morning, uh, she said, I don't really think I want to have a kennel. (laughs) Okay, So you see how we take an interest in their goals and they shift as they grow. But we give them opportunities to experience them so they really know if this is where they want to land.
0: So this takes an interest. It takes time. But it's well invested. And by the time our young people were... Well, our son, Josiah, because we flew quite a bit in, in ministry and a lot more since, he wanted to be a pilot. But would you want to be a pilot at five years old? Eh, maybe, maybe not, okay? Then he wanted to drive a dump truck. <laughs> then he wanted to drive a cat, okay? Caterpillar, bulldozer. You know, that, you know, that's a tobacco, and, you know, all these things that a boy sees, they, they want to do these things. But, but he never let go of wanting to be a pilot, never let that go. And so once it was very clear that he was settled on that, and it never, that never went away, and all the other things went away, and he had the opportunity to be involved in, in building, and he, he built my dad's house. Um, he and two other church members built that together. It was a great experience, but none of that stuff ever took him away from the desire to be a pilot. And so once we knew, and that's, that's the direction he wants, now we're looking for the best way to accomplish this education. And we did this with each one of our young people. What is the best way to get the education at the least expense of time and influence? Okay? And money. And money, yeah, thank you. That's very important too. But we ended up going uh, with him to the flight school, a place outside of Phoenix, Deer Valley. We went with him and we talked to the, to the chief instructor at the flight school. And you know, it was a very interesting thing. Our son, who was 18 at the time, was not embarrassed to have his parents with him. Do you know why? Because we had his heart. He knew we were looking for his best interest. It wasn't embarrassing to him. A lot of young people, you know, at that age, they'd say, you know, can you wait outside? I mean, I'll go in and talk to the guy. That was not his attitude at all. We praise God for that. And that, you know, the guy that ran the program, he commented to us personally, privately, as parents. He said, I really respect the relationship that you have with your son and the fact that you have, Put, he said, this is not normal. I mean, this is not what I usually see, but I really love it. <laughs> because he said, it shows that you've been invested, not just yesterday, but for a long time, in the goals and aspirations of your young people. And so we did that with each, each one of our children, looking for the best way, and as you said, financially, and, and the influence-wise, and time-wise, to be able to accomplish those goals.
1: Yeah, so we do need to take an interest in all aspects of their lives. So that's, it's really to, a call to our hearts. And really when we do this, this, this is how we show our children we love them, that they're important to us, that we want to have that time with them. And the last section I want to cover this morning on reaching their heart and really loving our children is to look at having an understanding heart. First Kings 3 verse 9 says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart. Do we need understanding yeah we have compassion sympathy empathy and understanding for most people outside the family don't we we're forbearing long-suffering very patient very sympathetic but sometimes in our own homes we do not model that in our families because of pressures because of irritations because of attitudes for whatever reason we are not as understanding as we should be as parents this does not mean we're going to coddle our child every time they have their will crossed and they want to cry or throw a tantrum that we give them what they want to you know so they feel understood this is not what we're saying we're saying to enter in with them and help them see that real life brings real disappointments at Mm times and that we can help them travel or journey through those disappointments and come through the other side and still have peace and still have, you know, joy in that process. One
0: of the things that we, one of the principles we operated off in our home since our children were young was the cause and effect relationship in every transaction. That's what inspiration says. There is a cause and effect relationship in every transaction. So, rather than, and please understand when we say this, we did not always get it right, That's and right. we did not understand it for those that were here earlier in the week. We did not understand this with our first two daughters when they were, they were in the terrible twos, okay? We didn't understand that, okay? But we, we began to learn. And so, we, we always sought to, to get to the deeper, the root cause of things, not just whack off what's coming up over the surface or you know just take the leaves off we looked for why is this attitude happening what is driving this attitude what is creating the 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 underlying problem that we're we're dealing with here and I tell you it was good for the whole family because when an attitude comes up if all we say is you got an attitude buddy go to your room. And we've talked about timeout, and it's only effective under very particular circumstances. But if we just react to the attitude and we don't take time to go underneath and find where it's coming from, okay? And I remember we had what we call family council in, in our home, it was a very important tool where the family could come together and anybody in the home could call a family council for the evening of that day okay we always had family talk time a half an hour before family worship in the evening every night and if somebody had a grievance or somebody felt like something was not running right we could call a family council and that evening instead of doing just general family talk time we would do a family council and i remember josiah he was having an attitude and he came to me and he said we need to have a family council okay And I could tell he was feeling pretty upset. And so I said, okay, so that's fine. We can have a family council. But remember, you need to have a respectful attitude. Okay? We'll have a family council. He said, I don't feel some some things don't seem fair in what's happening right now. Okay? In the home. I said, okay. So tonight we'll have a family council. We sat down together. And... So he, we had prayer, and then he had his opportunity to share his grievance. He needed to do it respectfully, thoughtfully. And so he began to share that With he felt...
1: examples.
0: Exactly. He, he began to share that he felt that, that he was carrying too much weight of the responsibilities of chores in the home. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, we're thinking uh, telepathically. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. The girls do well, way more than he does, you know, age-appropriate. But anyway, he's, this is his perspective. This is going deeper, okay? This is getting to the root of an attitude. So he began to share how he felt he was doing so much more. And we let him talk. We let him share what was on his heart. He felt kind of good just being able to get it off of his heart. Sometimes we don't allow that enough. <laughs> and,
1: of course, we want examples, right? We need hardcore examples. So he said, well, here's, here's it. After lunch, and it's my turn to do the dishes, I'm doing dishes and the girls are out playing. So it, it's just not fair because, well, they had other chores, okay, after, after lunch that they were to do. And then if he, if he was on laundry that week, he'd say it's not fair because after lunch I'm still doing laundry and everybody else is out playing. This is his grievance. He has too much work, it's, it's inequitable, right? So he talked all through it, because remember we wanna get to the, the root of the problem.
0: So as he had the opportunity to share it and, and, and give his grievances, then we had the opportunity to get the girls to weigh in on what they're doing. And the bottom line was that the girls, when they were on dishes, or when they were on laundry, <laughs> They did not stand and look out the window for five minutes (laughs) at every bird that went by and imaginations. (laughs) that. And so as we talked through it, the reason they're done and out is because they have learned that we just do our chores quickly and move on to things that we have to do. And if playtime happens to be the next thing on the agenda, we get our chores done quick. And so nobody had to say until after everybody weighed in, so Josiah, why do you think that the girls get their stuff done quicker? He thought about that for a moment. Well, probably because some of the time I'm dawdling. (laughs) That was a word we had in our house. You know what dawdling means?
1: an old word. (laughs) It's an old word,
0: but it was in our house. And the beauty of it is by the end of that little family council, there was peace in his heart. There was equity in his mind. And the interesting thing was, it it clicked with him. And we noticed a change when he was at the dishes. Mm -hmm. Okay? We noticed that when he was folding the laundry, he wasn't taking five minutes to fold a t-shirt while he's thinking and doing other things in his mind. Just, you know, imagination is good. The healthy imagination is good, but not when you're trying to get a job done. So it's a simple example of getting down and understanding where the root of it's coming from.
1: And sometimes we as parents have the attitudes. It's not just the children, right? So when we're talking about equity in the home, the home rules apply to everybody. Daddy, Mommy, and all the children. Not just the children. They have to have good attitudes, but Mom and Dad. And one time we had a family council, and one of the children was brave enough to say, well, Daddy, sometimes you get a wrinkled forehead. (laughs) And he says, what do you mean I get a wrinkled forehead? And so he's trying to... I was
0: trying to... So what does it look like? (laughs) They said... No, you can't make it happen unless it's really happening. (laughs) (laughs) When you get a wrinkled forehead,
1: it's an adult attitude.
0: (laughs) It's because of what you're thinking. (laughs) And I said, Oh, really? And they said, Yeah, usually it's when you're upset about something, (laughs) you get a wrinkled forehead. And I said, Okay, you have permission to respectfully. Tell me the next time I get a wrinkled forehead. And our oldest daughter said, But Father, that's really not the best time to tell you. (laughs) I said, Okay, by the grace of God and through the influence of the Holy Spirit,
1: and your gentle approach,
0: (laughs) when you respectfully let me know, then I will hopefully respond to the Holy Spirit knowing that you're doing what I ask you to do, and it's happening right now. And about a week later, one of them did. And it was true. I did not like the fact that they told me I had a wrinkled forehead. But it is also true that the Holy Spirit did tell me, this is what you asked them to do, and it's happening right now, so I can help you. And I said, okay, thank you. And so now I got it, Okay. Did I ever get a wrinkled forehead after that? Yes. (laughs) But do I understand it better? Yes. And that makes a big difference in expressing love and having the rules apply to everybody.
1: That's right. So, understanding mistakes. Our children make mistakes, right? Mm Not everything they do is intentionally done wrong. I mean, intentionally done to be wrong, or intentionally done to go against something. They're they're just normal mistakes that everybody does, accidents that happen. And um, I remember my husband was gone for a weekend. We almost always traveled together, but on a rare occasion he would take a, a ministry appointment without the family. So he was gone for the weekend and it was sunday afternoon and we were getting ready to drive down to the airport 65 miles from us to pick him up our oldest daughter was just getting ready to enter driver's ed in montana you could get your driver's ed training at 14 years old and so she was very excited and her daddy was helping her on the back roads learn how to do this so and he had had many times her, you know, park the van, we had a little minivan, park the van in the carport or bring it up to the deck and those kind of things. So in the rush to get ready, I said, Alice, you want to bring the van up? Well, anytime Big Sister got to drive, that was, even if it was from the carport to the back deck, which is all of 25 feet, the, everybody, the, the, the younger siblings wanted to go along for the ride, right? So they get in. Emily gets in the driver's uh, the, the companion seat to the driver, Josiah gets in the back, and it's a minivan, so the back door slides. And so Josiah, as a boy would think, I'm gonna leave the door open because it's gonna be neat to watch you know, watch the car drive up. So Emily, without thinking too far out, got, I'll leave my door open. So Allison drives up, she's not thinking about anything but just parking the van by the, by the patio. So she pulls it up and then she goes to back it up. So it's perfectly in line when I walk out the door, I can walk right into the van. And before I ever got to the door, I heard the sound of metal crunching. You know the sound, <laughs> yeah, right? <on> a... <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's, that's our van. That, something's happening to the van right now. <laughs> so I stepped out on the upper deck and looked down and there I see the passenger door, the front passenger door folded back to the front. The, the corner of the door got caught on the edge of the patio the concrete patio and the patio didn't give but the door did it just folded it back and i i looked over the the thing give now
0: thy servant an understanding, understanding heart,
1: heart. <laughs> right i mean think of all the things you could say at that moment right i mean our minds are flooded from the adversary of our souls flooded with kind of. Words that could come out, you know, words of frustration, irritation, what's wrong with you, can't you think, why in the world would you be leaving the door, all kind of things. And the Lord, we don't have to respond to the first flood of thoughts that come because the still small voice is still always sending messages to those who are willing to receive. And I I paused because I knew I'm not safe to open my mouth, I just paused. And the Lord just gave me this super understanding heart and going all the way back to what we talked about in the Garden of Eden, you ask questions. You don't come, this is what you did. So I went downstairs and I said, what happened? And Allison said, oh, Mother, I'm, I am don't know, I mean, I didn't even see, I, I thought I was further away and, and she was taking full responsibility. And then Emily said, Mother, it's not her fault, it's my fault, because I'm the one who left the door open. If I would have shut the door, this wouldn't have happened. And she's taking full responsibility. And I hadn't said a word, and now Josiah in the back, he's saying, it's not their fault, it's my fault, because I left the sliding door open, and because I left the sliding door open, I was a bad example. And then Emily left her door open, and that's how it happened. So I had three children all taking full responsibility for the damage on the vehicle. I said, well, accidents happen, and, you know... It's, it, I understand, so what have we learned today? That you never drive anywhere with the doors open, right? Ever, especially in reverse. So the next problem we had is how do we get the door shut to drive 65 miles? It's our only vehicle. So I don't know, I think I called our friend, Bernard, to come up. An, old, an older gentleman is kind of like a grandpa to our children. And. Um, he came up and with some you know, extra manly strength, you know, got it so it could you know, get up, get shut. But he says, don't open the door. I said, don't worry, I'm not gonna open that door. <laughs> so we're driving down the road safely and get to the airport. I'm a little bit later than I had expected to be because I had a delay of time at home and we couldn't go in and meet him. He actually was walking out from the baggage to see us all trying to walk into the airport And my husband is such a gentleman, he always likes to open the door for me. And I'm thinking, you know, not today, dear, please. (laughs) Anyway, he comes around to the side of the van and he goes, what happened? So I said, well, we had a little accident. He says, yeah, it looks like a little accident. So (laughs) the Lord gave us both understanding hearts, not just our hearts, but there was never criticism or chastisement. What was, the, what was the corrections and natural correction? They all wanted to take responsibility for it, right?
0: And they all offered to pay for the door to be fixed. And the man at the repair shop, which was in our little town of Eureka, he also had an understanding heart. The owner of the repair shop, we went in, and the girls and Josiah went with me and they offered to pay the They man. told
1: him how it happened. They
0: told him exactly how it happened, and they were prepared to pay because we were not going to do it through the insurance.
1: Well, I was going to say when they offered to pay, he said, no, you know, this is going to cost a lot. Just have your dad put it through on his insurance, right? Like he did it because these are not licensed drivers, right? Your insurance doesn't cover non-licensed drivers. He said in front of our children, just you put it through on your insurance, and my husband said... I can't do that, because that's not how it happened. So all through this process, we're teaching lessons. I just want to interject that, because that was a very big part of the story.
0: So then we didn't know what was going to happen, but we just knew that it was going to be fixed. But the man that owned the repair shop was also very understanding. And he gave the children a discounted rate. A lesson learned. They didn't need to be, there didn't need to be anything else. But in that situation, they were already feeling very bad for what happened. And they needed understanding. They did not need chastisement at at that moment in time. And the Lord blessed that.
1: So this is reaching the heart. This whole presentation this morning is about reaching the heart through love. And we've looked at love from, from different angles this morning, haven't we? And the Bible says, Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. And that needs to be the kind of love that our children feel from us. An everlasting love. No matter what they do, what choices they make, they can do nothing so evil or so bad that we will ever stop loving them. That's an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. This is the love that God is trying to infuse into us as parents so we can let it uh, come through us to our children.
0: So let's close in prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll have a few moments for any questions this morning. Let's just bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have shown us everlasting love, that you have shown us understanding, that you always have time for us that you especially want to have time with us on the sabbath that you've set aside one day that is dedicated to your children here on earth we thank you for showing us the way and we pray as parents that we will demonstrate love that we will give our time give our understanding give our interest In such a way that our children's hearts will be drawn and knit to us, that they will trust us, and that they will love and trust you. Please bless us as we go through the rest of the day and help us to make the Christian life a practical life that we live every day. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse